0: I have some exciting news before we start. I just launched the Red Cheeks Academy with the first ever online workshop where you can learn about ethical production of intimate scenes. If you work with intimacy on screen in any capacity, this is for you. The workshop is for people who want to become intimacy coordinators. These can be cinematographers, producers, directors or sex workers and performers who want to benefit from their experience. If this sounds interesting to you, head up to academy.redchicks.org to submit your application for one of the first sessions. And don't forget to check out the FAQ page with info about scholarships. Now, let's start with the podcast. This is Red Cheeks and I'm Isabella. Well I would like to first ask you about you growing up. Can you just briefly tell me where did you grow up and how was it for you? Um it was
1: hard. It was a long ride. It was a ride like full of uh, adventures. <laughs> but well, yes, hopefully good adventures. The yeah. was shit. And good and bad. It's Yeah. Of course. I am actually grateful for the bad experiences. I'm, I'm feeling like a Buddha saying this, but mm. it's true.
0: Isn't it? It's a little bit cliche to say this. I'm grateful for bad experiences, but I, I often <laughs> feel like this too.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you have to be grateful for it. i mean i'm I'm grateful for the bad experience experiences in my life in the sense of that that made that they made me learn things that eventually led to positive things you know like that i if i go through a, i don't know a toxic relationship then i hope to to learn something from it then that you know that i won't repeat the same patterns like in the future with other people for example yeah. this is very cliche but it's
0: but true. can you can you give me some examples of those bo- bad experiences in when you were growing up that in the end had really good outcome? Um, I think that the, the
1: the main like bad experience was like my uh, probably my relationship with my family, but it was wasn't because they were mistreating me or whatever. It it all it, it was all based on mutual misunderstanding. So now today that I'm, I don't know, I'm 27, I'm quite, am I an adult? <laughs> you are, you're right <laughs> Old. <laughs> uh, now I'm like, you know, like I've learned a lot. Like I also like address, I don't know, I, I took accountability of many shit that I did to them and based on misunderstanding, you know, and not, and not being able to understand their feelings, what they were, their needs, et cetera, just as much as I was feeling that they were meeting mine. But it was... Because, I mean, we were, for, for all the experiences that I had, like, apart, outside of my family group, whether they were, I don't know, theater and the, the people that I was hanging out with, et cetera. Like, I, I started to, to live in some environments that had absolutely nothing to do with what my family, like, as a whole um, was used to. Yeah. Families uh, come from comes from a um a small village in um in a region like close to to mine in italy i'm from rome um and we and in in my in my city like it's as well like uh, it's also a, a very small city like you always meet, you, you always end up meeting the same people uh but conservative it was founded by mussolini <laughs> uh and uh, and it doesn't have really a sense of um, then I don't know the people in my city like it, I don't know there are cities in Italy that where you know the city itself has a such a history that I don't know you feel it you know like you feel the um, I don't know the heritage of the history of the place you were born in or whatever but this like it never happened to me. <laughs> Mm. Um, I never felt like I was really belonging to that place, so I always found ways to escape in some way like all the, the I don't know the beliefs and values that both my my mm, my city <clears throat> and both my family um were were teaching me.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think I, I I um I will make an assumption now, but I think it also was very conservative. Um Society and I guess your family would be also quite conservative family because Italy and religion and everything I guess you know kind of can relate because of Holland and that also is like religion and certain beliefs and point of views.
1: But something that I've been learning from I mean when I was a teenager like I was very rageful. I mean, I, I have a rabbit soul, I think. Rabbit soul?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, you need to explain to me the rabbit soul because I have no idea what's the rabbit soul.
1: Um, um, I don't know that that, that I... Uh, the rabbit, like rageful, means rageful. Yeah. Okay. it's rageful
0: the word? Yes, it is. Like from uh, rage, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Okay, just on that note, I saw your last post on Instagram and there is this picture of the little girl walking on the street. It's you, yes? Yeah, I can see the rage on the face.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that
0: picture because yes. that was
1: my my like the. I don't know if you have. This is something that my mother like tells me every time that I always had that face. <laughs> like it was my one of my. It was it wasn't the only expression that I had, but it was one of. <laughs> my, um, how do you say like one of my main expressions? You know, that yeah. was, was always. No, that, that's a very good it was just that I was I don't know upset about something
0: no, that's a very good I don't think so it's upset it's like there is intensity in it yeah. there is purpose you kind of you're set on something and you're going to achieve it that's I it was going to the beach
1: <laughs> I was very determined to go to the beach with that bag because my mother tell, told me uh, that I was very jealous of that specific bag that, that I wanted to carry that bag <laughs> and it was like the um, the bag that he used to put like I don't know cold um, yeah the
0: ice oh yeah
1: on the beach, and I, I don't know I really liked it and I wanted to um, uh, I, I wanted to to carry that bag and I think that it had it had to do with the fact that uh, since I was a child and this is something my mother also told me that I always wanted to be independent I wanted I wanted to feel independent in some way I didn't like I, I, and this is, and this is something that I remember that I I remember these interactions with people in the family, you know, like this, you know, a family is huge. You know, you have the, I don't know, the, the cousin of the brother of the mom or whatever, like people that you you might've met like two times in your life. And that's it. (laughs) But that, of course, since you are a child and you are a part of the family, so they will treat you, of course, as a part of the family, which is good. But I remember that I was feeling, uh, it, it, it annoyed me so much when people talk to me, you know, Oh, Oh, so cute oh, my God. Oh, like you know that when you when you, that, that talk that, that like yeah when you when you talk yeah. to, yeah, to gotcha. a child and you and you basically that dumb talk like as if the child as for being a child is dumb
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, go check child I would take that a bit personally <laughs> I was like why is this person talking to me like that i I always and I was I don't know very young, I don't know, six, seven years old, whatever, and I, and I, I already like, um, I was already expecting that people of any age would talk to me as if I was on their same uh, of their same age on their same level.
0: Whatever.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah I I was an adult? Sorry, I think that since I was a child, I always wanted to be an adult,
0: mm, independent one. Yeah, necessary. <laughs> um, and Sarah, how the conversations uh, about sex were treated in your family? They weren't treated. <laughs> and sex yeah. in general?
1: No, I think that I grew up with the feeling with the, yeah with the feeling that sex was something dirty. But not because they not because they would tell me sex is something dirty. Like it's just because like for being such a taboo. Um, and while my interest in sex was, I don't know, growing as I was growing up as a human being, and seeing that it it was always something embarrassing to talk about. You know, for example, there was the TV on, and of course, like there there's always something, I don't know, a news or a film or something that tackles sex in some way and i remember like the like the the awkwardness of the moment i don't know there was a movie and 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 suddenly like two people in the movie start hooking up and whatever they start having kind of sex and and i remember that there was this awkwardness you know we were all watching the movie and as soon as um there was a sex scene starting like we were all like free, like cold, like freezing.
0: <laughs> and would your
1: parents change the channel? No. Hmm,
0: interesting.
1: <laughs> I mean, no. And now, because now I'm, I'm thinking about we were in my grandma's house, and, and it was late in the night, and there were me, my sister, and my father watching a movie that was Fem Fatal. Mm-hmm. Tony Banderas and the other actress that I'm, I don't remember her name, but she was like. Um, my, probably my lesbian awakening, <laughs> because that scene is so hot. She's so hot in there. And I remember that we were like, the three of us, like looking at that, and it was, it wasn't explicit, but it was really arousing. So, and I was feeling something there, and I'm sure that my father as well. I don't know about my sister, but you know, and, and then we just freeze, and I, and I, and I remember that I was just thinking that probably all of us were just, expecting that scene to end <laughs> so <laughs> that awkwardness would end mm. um, and then I watched that scene again all over again so many times on YouTube <laughs> Would you say that this is
0: one of your favorite erotic scenes? Yeah Do yeah. you have some other ones?
1: Um, there's another one um, it was a uh, no well one that i really like is oh my god
0: i don't remember the titles of the movies shit it's um, that's okay we can link to them later so don't stress about that
1: it's, um it was i think that it was one of um well it's a lesbian movie it's on netflix with um um with a model um well i don't remember the name sorry i will i will i will let you know okay but, it was a very, it was very, um, I think that there are more than one sex scene, but all sex scenes in this movie are great because I feel that they are, I really related to, to them when I was watching them. I mean, that it was, it, it, it was authentic. It felt authentic to me. Also because, you know, when you have um, whatever kind of content that, that portrays lesbian sex, most of the times it's a bit, fetishizing or it's like it's not really for a lesbian audience or for I mean an audience of people who engage with uh, women or vuba owners as well Mm. Um, but this was to me felt really authentic and I also discovered it in a moment when I was like in totally into my process of uh, acknowledging my my attraction to um, to women as well Mm. After years of uh, heterosexual um relationships and and an influence i mean my only references were you know other people yeah (laughs) yeah people around me Um, i don't even know if there's someone queer in my family i mean probably i mean now no i'm sure i mean i know it but i don't know if i don't know maybe someone uh in my uh, um all this family, like I don't know, probably there was someone queer or maybe not.
0: And and so this was like a film that kind of I, I would say started shaping your sexuality or knowledge about it and discovering certain things. And then you mentioned the 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 one the film that you Femme Fatale that you watched when you were younger together in the room with your dad and I think another sibling. Um. But what are some other events that shaped your sexuality? Um, well, what do you think So many <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, great <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well i I think that um i mean it, it's a, it's a tough question because um well when i probably my my, my first interactions with mm, I don't know, my first sexual or intimate uh, interactions with people i don't know in my city when i was when i was 16 i started like my awakening sexual awakening like i wanted mm-hmm. to hang out with anyone um i had like i don't know i was dating like so many people um and 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 i remember that i was always um i was i mean my the, my my context was everybody is heterosexual if there is any some someone who um, openly comes out as gay or lesbian like most of the times like the majority of people i don't know in school for example when i was a teenager like the majority of people would say hey did you hear that that girl is a lesbian who like uh, and and doing those silly jokes mm-hmm. like Be careful, you know. If you're a girl, be careful because that chick is lesbian, so she might put your hand, put her hands on you. you Yeah, yeah. Like it was stigmatized. Yeah. Um, So, but I remember that actually, and when I was in high school, my my um, my class, we were all girls. There was just one guy. We were all girls, and okay. So, and I love that because I love to be surrounded by. I don't know feminine energy whatever that means um and but I remember that there I started I don't know the the, when I was in school like I I would look way more like a a female body you know I I would be more attracted to a female body than to a man's just because I mean I think that female bodies are more interesting (laughs) yeah Um, and but I always like um, leave that as you know. I I I used to 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 tell my friends that, I mean, the normal is hetero, no? Of course. Yeah,
0: you, well, you know, you know like, depends what do you down, don't, but... don't worry,
1: don't worry. We're all hetero. <laughs> but like um, when I was sixteen, I started saying that, inspired by Madonna, because yeah. I was inspired by Madonna. Um, that, I mean, I would have loved to have a woman's tongue in my mouth one day (laughs) um but it but i also like i was always framing that as you know an experience that i want to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now now that i think about it's curious because this is what this is how you know the majority of um lesbian or i mean women who love women whatever um our representations like look like most of the times in whether it's mainstream media or porn or whatever, you know that most of the time if you watch those things, it's it, they they look more like female friends who want to to play with each other, which is absolutely great,
0: mm. nothing
1: against that. <clears throat> but it's not only that, obviously. Like yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, it's not just um, I don't know, like we want to play a bit, uh, uh, but then like uh, we will come back to I don't know our boyfriends. <laughs> Mm. So like I was feeling a lack of representation of references because of that. And then and then yeah, I think that the more I I've 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 been in touch with feminist <clears throat> uh, circles, environments, people, whatever, and with feminism in general. Um oh my god, I don't want to say that I, I became a feminist and I became a lesbian. But <laughs> <laughs> But then you I, just said it. I remember that there was a meme, a meme about it, you know, that you know women they become feminist and then they become lesbians. Oh
0: really? I, I haven't seen that.
1: <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, also because no. I don't identify as lesbian. But um but yeah, I don't know, like the more I was I think that my sexual I mean feminism had a very um um uh, how do you say I mean it played a huge role in my mm. sexual awareness because it was all about you know the, the thing that was that I was most interesting interested in um, in the realm of feminism was the sexual empowerment and the relationship with your body and your sexuality mm. um that I think that I mean it's the the it's the the place where most oppression uh about on women happened on you know, their their sexual dimension yeah and, What's the purpose of female sexuality? Um how like um how women can or cannot like show themselves sexually or not. Um how and it's not even about sex, it's about just you know your body, you know, how you I place I think
0: it's a lot about labels also. We as a society we kind of I feel like we like to create labels and then we place everything under certain labels. And as soon as we do this and as soon as we kind of clarify our thoughts on certain topic, then it's hard for us to change it. It's hard. Everything around us is changing, but we find it hard to change, yeah. you know? And then, And we love labels. We love putting people in certain categories. We love putting things in certain categories. And I, like, sometimes... Like for myself, I don't find myself to belong to. Like, I cannot classify myself in certain categories. I cannot put myself into those certain boxes. I I am so many things, and I do so many things that it's just hard for me to put myself in one category. And I think we kind of make a lot of damage to ourselves and to society and to people around us when we put ourselves into those categories those boxes and we do not open ourselves to other possibilities or to other people or to another form of sexual exp- expression for example because as you you know like yeah, what, we're talking about labels regarding uh, sexuality general, I, I mean in general yes like i think in general we just like to label things and we like to put things in certain categories but when it like what i wanted to say now that in the like in sexuality is when it comes to sex when it comes to people who work with sex people who express themselves sexually we just have certain expectations in our head and then we label them in certain way but i think we should just open ourselves and well talk to those people talk to other people talk to people with different experience because also one human cannot experience everything so in the reg- like you have to to have broader understanding of the things we should surround ourselves with people who are different than us mm-hmm. and you know allow it and why you categorize someone in some way
1: yeah.
0: I, I i actually want to go you posted recently a post on Instagram, and that's the one with the girl with you as a first yeah. picture. It got my attention. I really love that picture. Um, and you wrote, "I will, I will, I will read one of the paragraphs uh, from that post." Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And you said, I've learned that queer doesn't imply good and that too many folks desperately hiding behind LGBTQ plus labels to not admit that they need to work on their own abusive behaviors. Toxic masculinity is not only about cis men and abusive queer people are not less dangerous than cis folks. It's a lot to unfold in this in this post, but also in this paragraph and maybe i would like to first ask you what do you mean by the abusive behaviors when did you experience it in what way because i assume you have experienced it if you uh, write about this
1: um uh, i've experienced it in uh, past relationships um but this also came like as a i mean this post was kind of a recap of my year mm. um, that the just passed and mm. it's it was a ref um i mean a reflection that i was doing like throughout the, this last year talking also with other queer people uh I, I believe that there was um this um this artist and model that she's based in barcelona she's called virginia
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i remember that she She was talking about something that happened to her, like she didn't explicitly say what, but she started this conversation about, you know, the fact that there are many people in the queer community that, uh, you know, can be, uh, abusive. Like she was talking about like her own experience, like someone was someone who identifies as queer was abusive to her. And she was kind of basically expressing more or less from what I understand this, like what I tried to express with this um because there are i mean i am in a moment where i'm trying to be as much honest as possible with who i am what i do and what i want to say um meaning that i want to you know tell the stories that relate to me i mean i, I cannot tell anyone's stories that's yeah. not mine or i cannot talk about topics that i don't um um experience yeah that, yeah that experience myself on my skin <clears throat> and uh, there are some, there are issues, like, within the community. Um, there are, I mean, what I wanted to say, basically, is that, you know, after all, like, I am a, a proud, you know, queer folk, like, I, want, I can scream it out loud, and I am so proud about it, and that's the only label that I want to put on on myself, exactly, because it's a label that, it's a definition that doesn't define completely, and that's to me like it's the, the, the closest to being a human. So that's mm-hmm. why I like sometimes say the, the future is queer because it's kind of acknowledging that we are, as you were saying, we are not just one thing forever, but actually like we, we
0: are human. So we, we are suscept- susceptible and- to change itself. Can so, you define queer, maybe. like how? Because again, we're yeah. creating a label here. Yes, but maybe for the way how you understand this, the way what queer means for you, you, you sort of explained a little bit. But I, I would like to understand this a little bit more, and then I would like you, if if you feel comfortable with this, of course, to maybe give a little bit more specific example of this abusiveness, because I'm trying to understand: is it like? some physical abuse, some specific physical abuse, or maybe, I don't know, lack of uh, inclusivity or similar things. So if you could just dive a little bit more to a specific and tell us how you understand the queerness, what, what is queer for you?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, queer it has to do with, like, um, going outside, like, putting yourself outside of heteronormativity, basically. I think that this is the only thing that all queer people have in common for the fact that they call themselves queer. You know, you don't identify, you don't believe in, you don't identify with um, heteronormativity um, and and that's why queer, it, it doesn't only have to do with your gender identity or your sexual preferences, but it really is something i mean it's a, it has a broader meaning of you know it's, it, and it has a political meaning of putting yourself out of this norm, so it's like you're not going against necessarily heteronormativity and whatever heteronormativity means and 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 manifests itself um, but you're but you're putting yourself outside of it it's mm-hmm. like you kind know, of you are playing a different game but uh- <laughs> so i i I have many follow-ups while you talk yeah no sorry then to make it clear like queer like started as a word like as we mean it today i mean it started as an insult in 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 english speaking countries you know like Mm. queer odd people like there were people you know you you look at them and you and you can see that they are not you know following the rules of being a woman or being a man but they are ambiguous So like the, I don't know, general society would call them queers and insult to say that, you know, look at this odd person, you know, like as someone that needs to be put away because, you know, you cannot trust someone who doesn't fit in the heterosexual norm and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But then like it was the, the meaning of queer, as we use it today, as as we are reclaiming it today, started in the seventies and it was, um, an Italian academic uh, who used it for the first time. Uh, she's called Teresa de Lauretis. And, and she, she published this paper where she was basically say, proposing like, this new mindset, this new way of thinking about gender that was like, you know, like we had, I don't know, uh, feminist uh, studies, gender studies, et cetera. But gender studies at that time, they were, they were still like based on the binary um view Mm -hmm. you know they're still talking about men and women and that's all that's all that exists Mm -hmm. and that the same the um, the same lesbian and gay um riots and and um, (coughs) uh, reclaims etc they were always they were still like based on this binary you know that lesbians in the, in, the, in, the first, um, in the first riots, like in the first, I don't know, manifestations, whatever, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. People, lesbian and gay people, they were still based on this binary that, you know, we are still talking about men who are attracted to other men and women who are attracted to other women. And the tendency was that gay men would, um, I don't know, would try to act or appear as masculine as possible to be more, mm-hmm. to they're more normal mm-hmm. and women. And she started saying that, you know, here we, it's not about, like if we want to, um, you know, to make a real effective you know, claim a reclaim, it's not about uh, trying to normalize our identities like within the binary, but actually like we should think about, we shouldn't uh, take heterosexuality as the standard. Like, mm-hmm. that's the problem. That's the problem mm-hmm. with Edward Normativi. Like, she, plain- she plays this idea for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why, like, actually I was talking with um, um, a journalist. She's called Mary Catherine Tramontana. Tam- She's a great journalist mm-hmm. and she, she, she covers sexual politics and all. She's very, she has a lot of uh, knowledge about it. And we were discussing this um, some, some weeks ago about the fact that, you know, today we use LGBTQ. Or L G B I A plus etc. but actually, like from um, if we have to be you know very precise with the words that we are using, the Q shouldn't shouldn't even be a part of the acronym because actually queer is all of it. No, not no. necessarily.
0: Well, because for look, I because my I, I see. <laughs> Things like this, like everything, we're changing so much. I can get that in 70s, in 80s, people still were very um, thinking strictly about this is how women should behave, this is how men should behave, and that, yes, of course, this is still happening every now and then, but the world is changing. A lot of people know that if someone, I don't know, wear certain clothes, this doesn't mean anything. If they become behave in feminine way it doesn't mean anything because really the way how we look shouldn't define us it's what we have inside you know who we are inside what what we want to rep- represent with ourselves yeah but, yeah and, is- and you know so i mean i i just wanted to say that for me at uh, the queer community i wonder if would if the queer community is or the people you know as queer community if they would be inclusive for people who are heterosexual because Uh, yes 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 yeah actually Actually, an
1: heterosexual person can be queer it's not that's why like yeah it's not like when I'm saying that the cue shouldn't be, if we, again, it's not, I'm not making a statement here and saying we should like take the cue off of the acronym, like it's fine because then maybe I, can, I will explain it further, but it's fine because like we are still in a moment when, where we are trying to, you know, expose ourselves as people who are not normal, let's say, and, um, you know, people who are not heterosexual in different ways. And so like there are many different identities and we and it's important that we act as a community, as a united community, uh, you know, to 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 tell society that we exist, we all exist in all our different uh expressions within the community. So that's why like okay, it's cool that we have like all of these letters, etc. That what I am um, I'm trying to say, saying that the Q shouldn't be in the acronym is because the the Q states for queer or questioning as well. But if we just take the cue as queer, actually queer started to like be something totally different from lesbian, gay, bi, et cetera. Like it was really, it's not just one, uh, one more um, sexual identity. It's not just one more gender identity. It's really mm-hmm. about like state of mind. It's really about like, because like lesbian, gay and bi, they started like as they are identities which started like based on a binary i'm not mm-hmm. saying to undermine them it's just history <laughs> it's yeah, just- it's,
0: i think to kind of create something a little bit opposite to just two gender and identities you know like well you know i feel i still think like it's when we're talking lesbian gay uh they are still male female but they just express themselves in different way or they love people of the same gender and that's totally fine. Like like for me it's hard to understand why this would bother someone, yes, because if you love someone, you just love someone and that's it. But well, I know there are plenty of people who are bothered by the fact that a man loves another man, a woman loves another woman, and in their eyes it's just bad and shouldn't exist. And I really Hate those people. <laughs> I cannot find any other word, and it makes me sometimes very uh, intense when I speak about this and when I talk to people like this, because I st- really tr- find hard to f- find hard to understand why they are so close-minded. But um, sorry, I kind of jumped in in your uh, when you were talking, and <laughs> go. And- it's like it's not it's not even only about like being, uh,
1: tolerant or, I don't know, accepting with, uh, mm, you know, uh, uh, with, with everyone, like regardless of who they love, et cetera. It's really about, I mean, and I'm talking about the meaning of queer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is about like, it's more of a political stance of, not feeling comfortable or refusing or just you know you don't fit in heteronormativity and the intersection intersection of heteronormativity with uh heterosexual privilege and white privilege mm-hmm. so it's um it's intersectional it's an intersectional concept we
0: we're adding even more to it <laughs>
1: and, um, yeah, yeah exactly and and queer itself that's i lo- i like it as um label because it's i think that's the label that's less label yeah <laughs> in all labels it's like you know because you are and again it's cool that uh, all the queer people that i know they they understand queer or they live their queerness like in their own way and they are still queer you know like in that's cool because i mean it's pretty it's pretty easy to say that who's a lesbian a lesbian is a woman who uh, is attracted to other women Mm. Cool stuff. Like that's it. Yeah. Even though, like, there are lesbians who, like, I mean, lesbian doesn't. There are lesbians that I know that I've talked to that they feel comfortable calling themselves lesbians. But this doesn't mean that they don't have sex with men as well. Sometimes. And that's fine. It's the that's right thing. to do. That you don't feel, you know, the expectation of the label that you are giving yeah. yourself. That's, yeah. That's cool. And. Um, So it's like queer can be can also be, for extension, like an umbrella for all these other identities: lesbian, gay, bi, trans, etc. But it but not necessarily. Like I wouldn't say that that is the definition of queer. I think Mm -hmm. that queer like really has to do with this refusing the the a a binary um, a binary way of thinking. Let's say which therefore can be applied to everything, not only to your gender identity, not only to your sexual preferences, but also, I mean, in how you read the world, you know, like mm-hmm. you feel that again, like there are not only only black and white people, you know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you actually like you are, you, you, you acknowledge like the differences that actually um, define humanity, Mm-hmm. That human beings and the difference—not the differences between us and the differences through which each of us uh, goes. Um, the differences, like um, oh my god, English. No, 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 it's okay. Each of, uh, each of us, like, go through um, in their own, you know, evolution. And but uh, so,
0: would you just so I can ensure that I understand this? Correctly. So, for example, if a person it's uh, it's a heterosexual person, mm-hmm. but it, this person is open-minded and um, like doesn't have anything against lesbian or gay people, like people of the same gender just making love to each other. If that person doesn't have anything against uh, racial differences um would that person be a queer person or there is a need for something more maybe i'm just simplifying this too much no no but it's a good question and actually it's
1: a question that people uh, asked when i was we we Mm -hmm. did uh, well i work in erica last and we did a um, lgbtq plus workshop recently and it was me and, Mm -hmm. and another colleague who were um power in it yeah and and yes it was cool and there was um uh one of our colleagues who asked the same question because we were talking about you know basically if you're queer like you play with ambiguity and you refuse any labels on yourself etc but it's not only about that like that would be like too simplistic you know that being queer like if you don't like labels then you're queer it's not about that it's about Mm. you know living the and then like Something that helped me to respond to this question was that, and the last activity that we did in the workshop, which was called "Privileges for Sale and there were there was a list of i don't know one hundred privileges or mm-hmm. are actually basic human rights in a modern society, but for queer people, they are still privileges i mean I don't know for example the the thing that we were talking about in the beginning, like having references um like growing up with references um of your identity i grew up with only heterosexual and cisgender references Mm -hmm. like that to me was the reality The the possibilities like they they were there so i wouldn't even when i was a child you know like of course i was being you know attracted to like also to people of my gender and whatever but it, it, it wasn't, you didn't have a reference to other than heterosexuality. Yeah, it was presented to me as a possible, healthy, good, natural, normal way of living, yeah. and that was. And that might be like very stupid, but actually, we've been discussing that. Actually, it would have, it would it, it was important. Like now, for example, you go on Netflix and you have yeah,
0: and the, exactly. I didn't have that either. You know, I don't think so. Yeah. It's stupid in any way, really, Sarah. That's I had not have those references i had very little references into intimacy but sorry keep going with the information from the workshop and then there was i don't know other privileges that were like being able to
1: um adopt a child and being uh, a parent like legally a parent to that Mm. child Mm. this is a um basic human th- this is taken for granted for many other sexual people yeah, because, i mean they can do it, and nobody's questioning that, but we are questioning that <laughs> We the queer people you know like mm-hmm. i am if i for example want one one day have to have a child with a partner who's not a man i'm there my there i mean some there there are many countries in the in this world that still like the, um don't allow me to be legally unless I am the one who, mm. who gives it birth, uh, there are still many countries in in modern uh, in the modern world that don't allow me to be legally their parent. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, of course, like, leads to uh, a, a lot, lot of problems, problems yeah. A lot of problems, and etc. Or, I don't know, again, if I have a partner who is not a man and I die, Like, I want to be able to give my heritage to my partner. But, you know, like, I I think
0: with this, with this, just this last example, I think you have to, or you have to have a will written and then you can give it to anyone you want. And if you don't have the will, you, I think, have to somehow be, um, have some sort of document saying that you are partners. Yes, let it be marriage in the old-fashioned way, Now you can just go to a government and just sign a paper and that's it. Because I think like if me and my partner, we are, we don't have any paper. We are in a relationship, committed relationship. And we like, but we don't have a paper. Yes. Confirming that we are in a relationship. (laughs) And so if something would happen to me, I neither think that he would be able to get anything. Regardless. He's, like, regardless my uh, choice of the person that I'm in love with, I have a relation yeah, with. Yeah, but, like, what I
1: was, uh, what the meaning of that was that you have to, I mean, it's, again, it's not taken for granted that um, I am a vulva owner, so, like, my my natural partner should be a man, and, mm. and like, society was built on the fact that, you know, it, it's... Um, was built on, on 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 allowing you know the only this kind of partnership to to have legal rights and automatically without like yeah. doing the extra work etc yes that's true that's true uh, this was the, the main thing that we wanted to express with that mm-hmm. and where like actually like many uh, heterosexual people there like actually um realized that okay <laughs> there are so many things that i take for granted and also mm-hmm. um the thing is with the the problem with heteronormativity etc uh, is not heterosexuality. the problem mm. is heterosexuality the problem is heteronormativity uh, meaning uh, an imposed and arbitrary rule that should be followed and should should work for everyone um and that if you don't don't feel like a fit in this then you are the problem but actually mm. you know we're trying to say that actually the problem is heteronormativity, and any other norm that is arbitrary and artificial and imposed to everyone as if it was natural, when it's not natural. If we want to talk about natural, like,
0: we would confirm oh, that. But again, can- we, we, would, we would, I think I we would have to talk about what's normal. And it, it's, like, I think the problem is the close-minded people. People who are set in stone in certain norms, and they just cannot open their mind to anything else but also those people I think they'll want like anything else anything beyond queers and LGBT communities any anything beyond that they just won't be able to understand different perspectives at all privilege. That, Sorry? That,
1: that's privilege mm. that's privilege when you are um, I also learned, like, not to be too judgmental of close-minded people. Yeah, sure, yeah. Because, like, uh, you know, each of us, like, comes from a different background. This is something that I've been learning with my family, you know, that they're not doing any harm. They're not being, like, bad people. But they, I don't know, because of their background, because of the the, the references that they had in their time, etc., they think like this. Yes,
0: precisely, precisely.
1: Um, The thing is that, like, they're... mm, uh, when you are you experience privilege when you when you like why there are so many uh, cisgender heterosexual people who feel threatened in this moment in this social moment mm-hmm. that we're in with the uh, exposure and emerging and more and more emerging of queer mm-hmm. identities whatever that mean is that I mean. We also have to understand and not being too much. I'm not saying that we have to be empathetic and we have to say, "Oh my God, poor cisgender people," but <laughs> actually understand that the world was built um, asumedida. How can I say? Like uh, the uh, world. All the assumptions. No, that, that it was built like for them, like oh. uh, in, um, in taking taking. Uh, I don't know. In, in this specific case, taking I don't know the cis male um this is hetero male as the standard. So like and now that we are trying to say, hey, actually like the world is not doesn't revolve around you because you're not the only in uh I don't know, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. You're like existing, the only type of individual existing, but actually there human the humanity is made of so many peculiarities. Yeah. People change there are so many different people and ways of living uh someone's life that you know like can you give us some space and there are people Mm. who are feeling threatened and feeling upset and saying and 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 they are i don't know calling the the apocalypses just because of that just because they are like you know i've i've I've, we've all grown up in a world where the male was the standard and everything was other
0: Mm.
1: starting from you know and we started then to reclaim i don't know women started to reclaim their space in an in also uh, always in this binary mindset and then lesbian and gay and bisexual people started to reclaim the space but always in, within this binary mindset yeah. world and then now we are like hey actually the problem is not just that we want to have the same rights of um, um cisgender males or um or cisgender females or whatever but we are we we are trying to change the mindset itself. Um, so I understand that this, this was also a discussion that came out from this workshop. And uh, there was this, you know, that like you are so used to have the world that, that is made for you mm. and just for you and all mm. the rest has to adapt. But yeah. you are like comfortable in your privilege of, Living in a world where things are easy for you and you don't have to fight the double to achieve something, uh, while there are other categories like women and all minorities, etc., that actually have to fight so hard to achieve the same that you, as a cisgender male, have as like this easily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is the thing. this is privilege. This is when, and this is why there are so many close-minded people because they are. I don't know, like in different ways. know There are people who are afraid of this, the world changing like this. People who live their entire lives uh, understanding the world with this structure. And then there are these, what they call, new sexualities that are not new at all. Mm, They were just
0: hidden for a very long time because people
1: were scared to come out. Exactly. They now are coming out. They're just coming out. It's not that they... They, it's not that they are being born now from zero, it's that they, we are just coming out. Sometimes I, I've, I see queer people uh, that are very strict, very yeah, mm, very intolerant mm. towards cis people. And again, this is not to say that, oh my God, poor cis people, because again, let's not forget that they are privileged. And it's, but they are privileged I mean, they are privileged and they were born with this privilege. This is not to say that they are victims, but, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, And some, but again, like if you, and that's why I like queer, because queer, I don't feel that queer defines me as, that defines my, uh, who am I attracted to, um, or defines precisely my gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um what I like most about queer is that I feel that it's the closest to human. Um, meaning that, you know, you you have to acknowledge the fact that you are a human being who can uh, change throughout your lifetime, et cetera, that can make mistakes just as anyone else that can change their mind, that um can be abusive sometimes. You know, sometimes we are abusive or we gaslight like people without even noticing, like when we, the most of the people we hurt other people, it's not because yeah. we are intentionally uh, hurting other people. It's because without even noticing, like, while, I don't know, we are defending uh, our values or whatever, we might be like actually hurting to someone else. Yes, so, of and course. This, you know, being rageful, being aggressive, mm. being like, it's just as human as being tolerant and being accepting and we and i think that it's very important to acknowledge that that's why i was saying that um um yeah that that mm, i mean being queer doesn't mean being good in in the sense of you know that the the good ones are the queer people and the bad ones are the CSAT people like it's not that simple
0: no it's it's never but simple
1: <laughs> i wish it was but it's not <laughs> to acknowledge the fact that you know we are each of us is a complex i don't know world Mm. uh, changes and and it's healthy if it changes it's not my opinion if it doesn't this is my opinion but it's (laughs) like and and if you are and we have like if we want to um so that's why we need to be very you know um, especially if you want to do some sort of um, militancy or advocacy for in this case for queer people i think that you have as, as a responsibility towards the queer people, the queer community itself, you have to have like the, the bigger picture of how society works, how society used to work and how it's working and what are our plans for the, f- our hopes for the future. Like putting ourselves as a community in a timeline, in a human historical timeline and not like pretending that now out of, out of the blue, like not out of the, of the blue, but there are many people who are living Uh, these changes in in the queer community like as if they were there are people still uh, for example, I live in Barcelona like it happened to me many times during the last two years where when I was saying well, yes, I am queer and they were like what does queer mean? So it's not we cannot take for granted that everybody knows what we are talking about because it's like we are comparing like the last I don't know 20 years I mean the last yes yeah yeah, thirty, forty years. Like the, for example, queer as we use it today. I was telling you the first time it was used in 1985. It was yesterday. Mm. Um, like compare that, and and then it 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 entered the pop popular pop culture. And now queer is everywhere on social media. Yeah. But before being this popular, like it it was only staying in the field of academics, just as feminism mm. at all. Now we are like, it's like in the last, not even 10 years, probably, that we are talking about feminism and queerness and all in the popular debate. And there are governments who are facing the, the um, finally the task of doing something about it. And most of them are not doing the the job still, but we are in this moment. So it's like, compare these last 40 or 20 or 10 years with the whole history of patriarchy, you know, with mm. centuries of patriarchy, yeah. with the I don't know, generations and generations of people who grew up with certain convictions about how society works, what are the role, what is the role of women, what is the role of men, and what's the role of all the rest. Um so like we that's why we have to be and it's and as a queer person myself, like I am the first one who gets frustrated. I said in the beginning, I am grateful. Like sometimes I really lose my mind with, you know, like having to explain again. It's, it's a burden when you are queer and you have to explain to people why you are queer. Um, um, why you like, um, or I don't know that they, they treat you as if you were a pathological case because you are not heterosexual. No? Yes. Yes. It's frustrating. And, and I totally get that. And sometimes I, I want to, claim the right to be upset about it. And, I'm tell- and, and I tell you, you know, like, you know what? Like, this is my everyday life. You know, mm. Again, this is a privilege that you have that I don't have. You don't have to justify yourself for being heterosexual. Nobody, no, that's has- true. That's true. Yeah. But nobody has to justify that. Everybody takes for granted that you are until you say that, no, actually I am not yeah. because blah, blah, blah. I discovered this and so, so people will ask you about it. So, um, yeah, but still, we have to, uh, to, to understand that. And this is something I've learned with my family as well, that yeah. again, it's not that they are against, uh, queer people that it's just, that they didn't have zero, they, they have zero to like Yeah, we're talking about.
0: And I like that you said about judging the people, like your family, you know, like that you learn to not judge them for who they are and like uh, the way how they think. And I... I really like that because it's kind of having a, a certain distance and an understanding to how they were raised, what were their references. And it's good to keep that in mind. And I also love how passionate you are about the topics because and I can see when you talk, like you get uh, <laughs> intense in a good way, intense in, a, in the whole conversation. And I really, really love it. And... Sarah, did you ever had a situation that you like that someone made you from from people that you know who define themselves as queers? Um, did they ever made you feel that you do not belong to queer community? Yes,
1: <laughs> um, for different reasons, but I think that there are like mainly two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, i don't uh, again i don't i don't, i haven't really interested in uh defining my sexual orientation, but if i have to uh I would call myself pansexual, meaning that I am attracted to people regardless of their gender um or of any gender depends on there are different mm. i don't know ways of explaining that but it it's that um and this, like, and, and I feel that I share like the same frustration with bisexual people within the community. Because, again, if you are, um, you know, like, if, if you are, in my case, a vulva owner and you, uh, I don't know, you have relationships with other vulva owners, lesbians, trans people, whatever, uh, I mean, other identities that are not a CSAT male. But then, if for any reason, like I, I have, um, I don't know, I am attracted uh, to a man, or I go out with a man, etc., or just because, uh, just for the fact that people, um, whether people see me, also like it, it really doesn't. <laughs> I'm talking about this as if I, if it, as if it happened recently that I've been with a man, or it didn't. But it's, but I know that it might be a possibility, and it's a possibility that I welcome if it happens. I have crushes on people of really any gender. <laughs> um, but sometimes just be, just for the fact that you say that you are pan, pansexual or bi, bisexual, um, there is this sort of, uh, judgment and that sometimes can lead to discrimination within the community because it's like, you know, If you are a wool owner and, for example, you go out with a man, then you kind of pass as straight, therefore, you're not representing authentically whatever that means Mm -hmm. the queer community. Mm -hmm. So, you're not queer enough, or whatever, Uh, or you're not paying respect to the community because, I don't know, uh, there there was someone who judged the fact that I date a porn movie in which I also had sex with him as, he, as his man. Um, but it's like, what?
0: It's I, your choice. I, it's, it's your choice.
1: Yeah, it's it's my choice. And it's like, and that doesn't um, take anything off from me being queer. Because again, we've been talking the last hour about what queer means mm. to me. And it's not about with who I have sex with. It's about like, my gender identity, my mindset, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like trying to put myself as much as I can out of the binary, and and the enemy again is not heterosexual people, It's not cisgender people, it's um, it's heteronormativity, and the problem is not um, and the problem is when cis people or heterosexual people are not aware and, and don't acknowledge their privilege mm-hmm. as cisgender people or heterosexual people when they, I don't know, they feel the right to hurt someone else or to judge someone else because it's not either enough in the oh. reverse um, because they feel threatened or they feel that they that the, the world was, is around them. And so they they, they feel the right to you know, put you down, to put someone else down because it's not normal enough and whatever. That's the problem. So that's why I'm like more about, like my, The way that I think this is more about, um, it's not really about how you define yourself, um, the labels you use or who you sleep with or who you're attracted to, etc. It's about like, how much you are conscious about who you are and what, what sort of human being you are of what you're doing like if you are heterosexual gender and heterosexual and you are aware of your privilege and you respect people of any gender and sexual orientation well i can be your friend yeah <laughs> uh, so I, you won't be out of my circle just because you're heterosexual and whatever it's like if i uh, um i have now that my my flatmate he's a uh c guy and he's the best <laughs> yeah the best um and i know that he learned so much about um our community just talking with me and with other queer friends of mine like because he's very open about like he wants to learn okay like he's not there sitting on his privilege and saying ah whatever all of this is bullshit the world like it has always worked like this and now you are uh no inventing changing it like it's not like that like he He's open to that because he knows like he's an adult and a, and a conscious person who knows that um opening up uh i don't know my mind and my space to other people and identities and ways of thinking and living doesn't undermine who I am if I know precisely sure of
0: who i am um so yeah I think it 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 comes to just being a human being who is open to experience other people and their uh, see their point of view or try to at least understand their point of view. I, I'm not saying you have to take on this other point of view, but just try to understand, trying to be a good human being, you know, like, like have a heart and... Mm-hmm. Not like look, we all will be judging. We all will be sometimes, as you said yourself, doing things to someone, even unconsciously doing it and not knowing that we hurt someone. But we will be hurting someone. I had situations like this that, you know, I was going to the training and I, I, um, we met before the training in a group. And I said things and I acted in a way that I probably made feel another person very uncomfortable and like she wouldn't be welcomed there, you know. And that wasn't my intention, but I did have a shit day, you know. I had a shit period in my life, yes. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to control it enough and it came out in one way or another. So, you know, as, and I think, but I was able to reflect on it afterwards and I messaged her, I talked to her afterwards. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's about being human being, being, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, vulnerable, oh my gosh, this word Vulnerable. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, allowing yourself this and opening to experience of other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, Sarah, I wanted to ask you now about your talks in school about pol- porn literacy. Because that was also something that you were doing, or maybe you still do. Uh, but when I approached you for the first time, when we talked for the first time, it was a m- moment in your life, period in your life, when this Became a little bit intense. There were some things happening around this. Can you please tell me how did you started with this uh, talks in school and why you why you wanted to do it? Um,
1: I started with um, a friend, um, an actress friend that I met in um, in Italy when I was living there and and studying there. Uh, she's she's older than me. She has she's in her in her fifties. Um, she's an, a comedy actress, et cetera, And she had, um, she, she was friend, she is friend with the mother of a girl who was like a, a student in this high school in, in near Florence in Italy. And they wanted, well, we were in the middle of, um, what in Italy they call DAD that it's like, the, um, uh, doing, I mean. School online mm-hmm. due to COVID, etc. And so they were about to organize this um, um, assembly online. It's, I don't know about about Poland or other other countries, but you know, in, in in high schools, like we, you know, there are like I don't know four students that are representative of the whole school, and they organize right. these assemblies. I don't know each month, and they talk about stuff, whether yes. it's about I don't know. Their school, in specific, or topics in general. So this time they wanted to talk about porn, because, I mean, they were they were (laughs) they were they are in the in that critical age when you you actually know a lot about porn, but you don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have I don't know sixteen, seventeen, fifteen, or even younger. So they wanted to talk about porn, and Antonella, this friend of mine, she thought about me. To I mean, they invited her first because Antonella was, and she's doing, um, like she's author of her dramatic um, dramaturgy. I don't know how to say it, uh, and she has all um, texts. Uh, I mean, most of them are about uh women, I don't know, leading dealing with their sexuality and their role in society, etc. And one of her plays was featuring also like she was playing also the a porn star. Um and, and there was like the main character of this play who was learning a lot, uh just talking with the about herself and her sexuality and her empowerment, et cetera, talking to this porn star. So they invited her for that. And then she thought about me because she knows that I am. Yeah involved in the porn world um and then you know i have like i mean i i don't leave the industry the mainstream industry i'm not in l.a (laughs) but i'm in barcelona with Eric Alas which is a very good um i mean take on the industry on the the more ethical side of the porn industry which is i mean it's a niche but it's growing fast and yeah, and so it, and it's a demonstration that mm, the porn that we see on Pornhub, it's not the only porn that exists. So we've been there, and I mean, I, I was honored to talk to, to young people, you know, like I'm 27, and I feel that I came out of school like the other day. And, and I remember when I was in high school that nobody would, nobody, absolutely nobody would open up a conversation like this. or course not. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, though, of course like again the, as as um, as these students like porn was all over the place like the, the guys used to make jokes about it but since i was in the primary school actually like and 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 today like the the average age of young people like accessing porn for the first time like it lowered to nine even eight years old um and that's a problem obviously so um so yeah, we we did this uh this this talk online. It was on a YouTube live. And it was my very first time talking about this and talking in a school as a non-student. So like I wasn't really prepared and I came there like being very naive. I even showed a a trailer of one of the films that I made uh, produced by Erika Asmelasoñas. Today uh, today on that is the anniversary of the release of this film. <laughs> Feel, yeah. um, and of course, I mean, it was a soft, um, it was a soft uh,
0: the trailer, the soft
1: version trailer of the trailer. They were, you know, um, uh, uh, let's see. Um, and it was like you know, nine in the morning, this, and, uh, and when this was showing, <laughs> maybe this was too much, but okay. And we talked about a lot of things, like it was very organic and very natural, it were, you know, we... Between me and Antonella, we were talking about, you know, the need to listen to your body. This was something that Antonella was pushing more due to her texts and her, I mean, what she was communicating primarily with her work while I was talking more about how the porn industry works, like kind of giving them an internal insight on on how the porn industry works because most of the people in this world have no idea about it, They have very stereotypical ideas, as your friend saying, you know, that all, yeah. porn, all porn actors like they, they do that because of uh, someone else obliged them to do that, that it's based on exploitation, that it's based on misogyny, et cetera, et cetera, which are all not lies, but they are also kind of half truth. Um, the industry is actually like more varied and even more today, it's more varied than, than most people can imagine. Uh, and that yes, there, there the, the porn as we know it, like in the, mm, in the I don't know, in in, in, a, in society, is Pornhub and and all the fellow um, tube sites. And then yes, we can see that that's problematic. There's a lot of content that also kind of repeats itself. It's always the same situations like incest and and. um um, it's it, there again, like the norm is heterosexuality, and all the rest is catalogued in different categories. Yeah. Um, the and within the heterosexual sexual encounters, there's always, I don't know, the penis owner who is like more dominant on the, the vulva owner who is like, uh, I mean, it, it all feels very artificial, etc. etc. But the thing was not. I wasn't there to give an anti- porn speech, obviously, mm. but I was there to 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 acknowledge Two different p- perspectives also, yeah to, yeah, to acknowledge all of the kind of more of uh, giving them a neutral, neutral perspective mm. on the thing, which is the, the, the meaning of porn literacy uh, itself, you know that it's like, let's look at the reality of the majority of porn, or at least the, I mean this is the majority. the the majority of porn because it's the most accessible um, you can access it like everywhere from any device uh, for free for free or less (laughs) before it someone else will Um, and yes so like I, I was basically like educating them on you know telling them that their curiosity for sex and porn is totally normal natural however you want to call it but that you have to be aware of the things that you are exposed to when you go, when you search for sex representation online, when you search for porn online, that you don't have to use that as a tutorial or as a reference for your real sex life. But that's a fantasy, which most of the times is very harmful, but it's not always harmful. I mean, if you're talking about people who are porn actors in the industry, they fucking know what they are doing. Another thing is that if you talk about a video that was uploaded on Pornhub without, and it was an amateur video of people who were just recording sex most of the times without even the consent of anyone oh. involved, mm-hmm. that's another thing. You know, that, and, and to me today, it's kind of obvious doing this separation, but it's, it's, it actually is not for many other people, especially the younger people who, just yeah. as much as me when I was uh, when I had their age, like I wasn't aware of that. Like to me, it was all the same. Like if you think porn was Pornhub and that's it, yeah, and I didn't know anything about what happens behind the scenes and why this con- like why they create always this same kind of content, how the algorithm of sites like Pornhub works,
0: or how the movie these videos or movies are distributed. You know, because um, the problem is that we don't talk about this. Like if we don't talk about this, no one will be aware. And you know, maybe somehow including this in sex education would make people aware, would make kids aware, and they grow up with different notion about porn and actually how the algorithm algorithms work and which you know maybe there is a chance that they will be able to differentiate between well two people having sex where it is where is consensual sex and where they have sex without consent or the person is recorded without consent. And uh, obviously, this is not always so clear when you watch something that always may not be so clear. But still, maybe if we would implement this somehow in sex education, people would be more aware the, the young people would be more aware of this what's on the internet. Because now it's so available. Like it's everywhere. And kids can access this. They have access to internet.
1: Yeah, and something that I was telling them um, was that, you know, all I think that porn is um is actually I mean the adults in their life they've put obstacles to their awareness about porn because the generation of the adults today and you know, all the boomers and, and all like they they didn't, they, poor them, they didn't, they, they haven't, they're <laughs> they, they weren't grow, uh, grown up in the, as a digital people. Absolutely not. They didn't have access to internet when they were eight years old. No. Uh, so that the issues are totally different. They are, they have no tools to. To talk to them about porn because they are the first ones who don't know about it while at the same time they are scared about it because it's like porn is and sex they are oh my god a, 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 i don't know that's something that you cannot even touch otherwise you will yeah. I, don't, I don't know you it, that it's harmful in itself and it's i mean we are we both agree that it's a paradox etc but yeah. the um the the thing is that if these students they asked for it is because when i asked them why you want to talk about this i'm curious and they were like it just came out naturally you know like it's something that is present in our lives we feel i don't know they the these uh, students representatives they were four girls and as girls they were also feeling like the effects that um you know this exposure to porn has on their relationships with guys all mm. guys would you know normalize treating treating them etc um so they were feeling that porn was present but it was but it is present like in a um it's under the carpet you know it's yes there, nobody, under the surface yeah but nobody wants to take it and put it into the spotlight and okay let's see what what it, what is this and let's talk about it because. I mean, it, there is what, a lot to unpack. I think conversation started about good conversation started about all the shit that happens in society. That's what I was wanted to say that and what I told them that it's like, if you see, if you look at porn, if you look at, a, I don't know, an average uh, free porn site, as I was saying, like just the, th- the way things are categorized, the way different body types or different eth- ethnicities and the prominence of heterosexuality and macho men and big boobs women and, um, unreachable body standards and all. Like this is, these are all things that are, that are not only related to porn. Like porn is a, a more extreme, let's say, representation of things that need to be fixed in society in our everyday life in society in the power dynamics that we um that we normalize in society and that we should look at and and fix um and that are harmful ultimately for not only for women and minorities but for all genders as well are somehow victims they feel the pressure they, they feel uh they feel the pressure on their performances, etc., because they see porn and they see these muscle guys like that, that, that can't stand an erection for two hours. And it's like, and again, in porn, like in, in the same logic that porn is a, is a reflection of our society is again, like that we see sex, like mo- the majority of people in society see sex as a performance, mm. whether we should, Scene, yeah we do
0: see it as a performance
1: and performance because, is gender it's not sex sex it, it should be something to be i don't know enjoy pleasure
0: yeah because yes i think we are uh set up on assessing on performing on achieving you know and there is always like how many orgasms were there yes did you achieve an orgasm yes but and we're focusing on this end goal but why don't we like focus more on the path toward the end goal? You know, like uh, the pleasures that are before that, and you know, like our body is capable of uh, feeling much more than just simple penetration, and like there is closeness of another human being, kissing, touching, uh, the playfulness, and. The and li- more we grow up, we kind of avoid this playfulness.
1: Yeah, and listening to to someone. I mean, I think that sex is based on mutual listening. Mm. Um, but it's not. And I also think that this this obses- obsession with performance is um, in sex. And now, like, it yeah. has to do with the this the, the capitalistic mindset. You know that you also have to achieve. A final result you have to and you and and your i don't know value as a person in society is based on the number of achievements that you um that you achieved, <laughs> achieved. Um, well you know like and that's why i think that if you see sex as a moment of pleasure you know like a um a moment where you can actually leave out all of the capitalistic pressure there you can find power Mm. um that's why I started pleasure is power that it's like in starting with this mindset that you know if when you seek pleasure not only in sex but in general in your life and in any um activity that gives you pleasure and it makes you feel good and makes you and when I and when I talk about feel good I mean in my own personal perspective, I feel good when I'm feeling that I'm taking the time to feel good. To explore the things. In a rush. You know, like imagine feeling good in a rush. It's weird. I don't know. When you're in a rush, you feel probably, I don't know, accelerated, anxious. And you're not really enjoying the moment. But when you enjoy the moment, it means that you are, at least for a while, you are, um, you are stepping out of this, of of the capitalistic machine and whatever, and and there you can you are finding a power as a human being, you know that you are empowering yourself and you are not feeling that dependent on this way of um, of of living based on capitalism. I was I was I was reading today a, a post by Constant Wizard. Do you know her?
0: No, no,
1: no. Um, she works with in, intimacy um, uh, coordination i guess as well yeah. she talks a lot about she's um i think she's kind of a therapy source
0: like send that. me send me the link i will see but i don't remember the name or the name of the profile like this so yeah uh, um
1: but yeah then she she posted today like um, in, uh, she posted today about internalized capitalism and I, and I thought that it was curious when she was, as an example, she put like, not only, you know, when you feel that you have to, I don't know, at work, you have to accomplish as many tasks as possible, but she put as an example, a massage, <laughs> like when you feel in a rush, even when doing a massage and that would, to me was like, yes, you know, like sometimes I felt on my skin that even when, I don't know, in a moment that it's supposed to be about pleasure and relax feeling that bit of a rush, like, okay, no, or, you know, I, uh, I have to do though. the wash. I have to do the shopping. I still have some work to do. Yes. <laughs> so I'm thinking about the grocery list.
0: Uh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah um. and, and Sarah, so uh, what was the outcome of this um, conversation in school of your uh, first appearance there? It was
1: um, well, from the students. It was great. Also from the, um, and then um, the um, the head of the the school did an intervention at the end, and it was amazing. He, um, um, I mean, he was thanking us for opening up this debate. Like it which was a debate. We were me and Antonella telling I don't know, giving inputs, and then we had like questions coming from the students. Um, the thing was that, as I was saying in the beginning, I was a bit naive when. Um, in the way I presented myself there, um, and there I also, and that's why I learned like how to um, how to take care of your image when you expose yourself, whatever the medium is. Mm. Um, because if it if it is online, it's gonna be online forever. Yes. So the thing is that I was so candid about uh, me performing in adult films. I even showed a, a clip. I mean a trailer, um, and uh, that there is this obsession that, that partially came from some of the students as well uh, about you know what your family thought about it. Uh, how did you start in the industry? Like the thing that was that the the talk was about our relationship with porn as consumers, mm. uh, coming from someone who did it. Uh, who has the double perspective of working in in the office of a porn production and someone who sometimes does sex work in in, in film in porn films? Um, but of course, they were like, "Oh my god!" Like suddenly, the 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 main topic of interest was that there was a sex performer talking to students um, um, about porn. Yeah. So, the reaction was like at the end of the talk, uh, one of the okay, we were all very happy about it, like it generated a very good discussion like it was good also to see the the insights from students, like how people in their i don't know not even twenties are living their relationship with sex today like it was mm-hmm. a cool i don't know insight, and uh, they even asked us for advice in the relationships with with other people other people in school. But then at the end, one of the students told me um, uh, there was a journalist from um, a local uh, newspaper. So she she followed the whole live, and she will write about it tomorrow. And there I was like, oh shit, oh fuck! I, it was something that I wasn't expecting, really. Mm. Um, I mean, I knew that there were two hundred people from the school uh, attending the the talk, but. I don't know I just didn't I was so worried about like what the parents of these people would have thought you know <laughs> about having someone who did adult uh, films talking to them etc I was worried I was worried more about that kind of feedback rather than a media feedback and then you're,
0: rather than yourself and
1: then, yeah and then the day after like the piece came out and it was an awful piece um that was um calling me um a porn star uh, who I'm not, (laughs) I mean, like, look at, look at the ignorance about this only confirms the ignorance about the porn industry, even though we spent two hours talking about how it works, but evidently the journalist like wasn't really paying attention. Um, She was, how can I be a porn star? Nobody knows me in the industry it's like and
0: who who you call porn star like how is this defined i mean by the amount of likes you have on your social media or amount of films that you did i i don't know how you define a porn star i mean it's like as if you uh,
1: call me a hollywood star because i did a short film with a friend Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) like evidently i'm not a star you know like a star to me someone who who I don't know does like a, a very big or very big productions, and you do
0: you do the big productions, yes. Like uh, you work with uh, like in films of uh, last and she's not a small production. But again, you don't define yourself as a porn star, yeah. And and again, I'm saying like, how do you define a porn star? I define
1: it if you are known within the industry,
0: like if you are part of a
1: um you know the community of I don't know. If you if you did um, if you were part of enough productions and you I don't know built yourself a name uh, in mm. the that specific industry and that you have a, a lot of people who follow you and that are your fans etc. That makes you a star. I mean, mm. Lady Gaga is a star. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in the music industry, um, uh, I don't know, like, but but that's not my case. And again, it's not because it bothers me the being called a porn star it's just that if you do that in the front page of a local and then national newspaper um, you're just out in me um, framing my narrative in a way that I didn't like I wasn't there representing the porn stars I was there because I, I, I have enough experience and knowledge And I've studied and I've read and I am uh, exposed to this world and enough to tell you that, hey, like these are the things that I would have loved someone uh, would have uh, told me when I was, when I had your age and Mm -hmm. I was exposed born and I wasn't understanding anything (laughs) about it. it. And it wasn't and and the people who talked about these talks like that there were um i think five or seven pieces of press that came out after this first one wow Uh, so they repurposed the the same uh news like in in others in other um, there was even um a guy from the far right party in italy who posted about it on his facebook page uh reframing everything as if I was there to convince um, Mm -hmm. students to be lesbians because I but this is this has to do with the panic around gender that is that that we are uh, currently living in Italy uh, fortunately Um, this is a problem you know outing people who do sex work however they do it and with However frequency they do it, uh, whatever the meaning they give to that um you are if you expose yourself as a sex worker or someone who did sex
0: work um yes, you are vulnerable in yes the, of course is it because uh, everyone has the perception most of the people don't just understand this don't will to understand, don't have the will to understand yeah. what really yeah, it, it involves yeah and the the um sorry
1: no the the thing was that what hurt me about all of this was um i mean we we spent the this talk this first talk we then did more uh in the other schools and with other students in the coming months in the following months but you know, this first one was three hours, like was a three-hour talk. Like we talked about a lot of things and the fact that I was a sex performer was, I don't know, in three hours was like five minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We touched that. And all the articles were only about that. Uh, only about that. Yeah, yeah. About me and how my family reacted to me doing this stuff and how, um and also the way that they would talk about it, you know, saying that, uh, Sarah Brown, who is a sex performer, as uh, she herself admitted, you know, it's like yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's like okay, like that, you know, like that. I am the one who oh, look at her; she has no shame, you know, uh, implying that I should have it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing was, it was just frustrating that I had a press coming out talking about me, but not um, mm, not talking it, to you, it, not giving value to what we've done. Like they mentioned nothing about all the things that we've been there for you know like why why aren't you writing a piece on bringing awareness about how porn works and the need for adults to talk about porn with their children no you decided to say that there was a sex performer giving porn lessons to our poor vulnerable children like what the fuck and because i think
0: this sells better the the stills better than the yeah suggested you know, the
1: topic writing, it sounds better I know it, <laughs> but yeah. it and, and then I had to write to all of these uh, papers saying that uh, whether they they should uh, delete cancel the the piece or to reframe it. And, and did they
0: do was, it? Did they reframe it, or did they cancel it? Or yeah, there was an um.
1: um the first one that came out, the, uh, the first one was like two words about the fact that this talk happened. Then two whole paragraphs about me being a sex worker and me being non-binary and me being blah, 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 and how my family, etc. my privacy, they're exposed. And then there was a whole interview with Rocco Sifredi, who is an Italian porn divo, <laughs> um, asking him, what he thought about it and asking basically for his um, approval, you know, because yeah. he is a porn star, he is a, por- a real porn star. And okay. it's like, do, do we really need it? Did we really need his approval in a talk where we weren't only talking about porn, but we were talking about taking charge with women uh, or female, whatever, femmes, etc., taking charge of the narratives around sex because the problem that we've been talking mostly about was the male gaze that is predominant in majority of mainstream porn. Um, yes. So it's like, now what? You didn't get anything about the meaning of the three hours talk and you decide and your editors decided to um, to interview Rocco Sifredi that who wouldn't, wouldn't have been welcome in that talk, not because we want to cancel him, but just because it wasn't his context. The context yeah. was, here we are, all uh, Volvo owners, female identifying in different ways, whatever people talking about this and trying to change the narrative. Um, and then after that, but yes, this this one, like I I sent like very long emails to everybody. Like I was really upset about it. I can imagine. And I was like, okay, at least you know, like don't put my my full name in this fucking article. Also, like very poor press. Uh, lazy press yeah. re- and um and yes i, I just I, i'm someone who reacts so <laughs> who needs to react so like I, I, I told them anything that i that i, that I thought and the, my problem was also that as an artist as i i'm basically building my brand so um i am I, to, it's not what not, you want to say in your brand you know like it's it's I mean as a performer like you are framing me in a very specific environment which is not my main environment it's not where I work like mostly That's so you are, you know, you're not help you are actually abs- being an obstacle to to my efforts to place myself in the environments that where I want to place myself and it's not because of the shame of what we were also saying about, you know, if you work in porn, then you have a stigma on you. It's not only about that at least, but it really is mainly about, you know, it's as if I worked in a restaurant and I gave a talk about working in a restaurant and I never introduce myself as a waitress or as a restaurant owner or whatever. And then you write a piece about me saying Sarah Brown, the uh, restaurant owner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like what the fuck? No, yeah. who told me that? And nobody asked me for my consent.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. Like they they ask another porn style, porn star, the male porn star, to uh, comment on the stock that you were giving and other people were giving, but they didn't ask you for the comment. I wonder why they didn't decide to go to you and interview you further and get your opinion, you know, if they really wanted to have an interview of someone who works in porn.
1: No, because I wasn't evidently I wasn't uh, worth of having um, my personal voice in there. Mm. Because the most interesting part was outing me um as again as someone who openly says that works in porn and and this is something that happened that happens and that unfortunately will still happen for a bit still with so many other performers sex workers of any kind um you know like i have no problem in in talking about this for example with you but I know that you are familiar with the topics we are talking about, and that's different. The The problem here was that people who have no knowledge at all about this and made no research around the topic, they just uh, flipped out a piece about it for the click bite, and, and, and that was the main interest. And And the thing was that the last art article that came out, it was on a fucking national newspaper, um that it's one of the worst newspapers also mm. <laughs> in Italy and and there was and they took pictures from my Instagram page, the pictures that come from my porn sets. Um that obviously I published on my feed in the in the name of sex positivity. Yes. <laughs> uh, but they took it and give gave them another meaning. And there it was like my face popped and say like porn star giving porn lessons etc and the article itself when i read the article which was a very short article it wasn't even that bad mm-hmm. but of course like people will share this article on social media and what they will see will be my yeah. face my name and pops and porn star and that's it yes and that to me was the um, the i don't know the, the, the,
0: the
1: another dimension to all this yeah yeah and it was there like a, a really went out of my mind and I, I realized it when I opened, I was rehearsing in my room, in my studio, for a performance that I was preparing. And um, I, yeah, for a video that I was doing. And I, I on a break, I, I look at my Instagram, uh, I look at my phone and I have so many followers coming from Rome because this is a nationalist mm-hmm. based in Rome. And they were all like random people, like, <laughs> that who are not really my audience, you know, like they mm-hmm. were all guys coming from Rome and the barrio. Okay. Uh, and I said, "What's going on?" And right after, a friend of mine sends me a screenshot of this article, and he was he was even he was even thinking that I was aware of it, and he was like, "Oh, you're crazy!" Like in a in um in a kind way, you know, in a fun way. And then I was like, "No, now I am." <laughs> now i am i am being crazy like what's going on like stop it leave me alone like why are people like it's like the 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 game of the phone i don't know what to call it <coughs> it's like when you, you like something that was a whole other thing it's been transformed ah, yeah yeah
0: i know what game you mean like in polish we call it gluchy telefon but i don't know how you say it in english but yeah there yeah. Um, yeah, yeah my- look, I think people.
1: Yeah, it, it was, it was, there was nothing about the talk and it was all about me and, and it was all mm-hmm. about fetishizing me. And basically, the meaning of this post, of this ma- of this article was, was, hey guys, look at the new pops, the uh, porn star. uh, You know, like go follow her. They put links to my, they emptied links to my Instagram page. And that's why all of these people came. <laughs>
0: It's 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 good that you say that because if, like people who are not related in any way to sex industry or to porn industry, they need to understand how harmful can be um, just blabbing, outing people, blabbing about um, someone else's life. And I guess maybe it's not only about sex work or you know porn. It's just generally talking about. About other people's life, putting uh, your own words in this what other people say. It's it's really harmful. Harmful, and no one should be doing it to anyone. Yeah, yeah. No, the thing is that the only words that
1: I said that they used were about my privacy. Mm. That I can now I've learned that, that they did not respect either. So about it, <laughs> unless it's a safe outlet, but. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that, but I've been talking for hours and they didn't take one word of all the rest that I've been saying. Isn't
0: and that I, interesting? I, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, I like I do have many more questions and but I think that for us would mean doing another podcast, another conversation and frankly, I really enjoyed this one very much and I think yeah. that's a good place for us to end this time. And maybe in the future we can actually talk more about your porn. Like, how did you get to porn, and why? Why do you like to performing in such a, a sexual way? And I mean it in a good way, you know. But yeah. I think that's the topic for another conversation. And thank you very much for. Thank you. Today. Well, now
1: we are just um, just a um, thing to promote my products. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Uh, we will <laughs> I will add all the links. Well, actually, yes. If someone would like to contact you, where they can find you? Uh,
1: I am on Instagram as Sarah Brown with three S's. And this year is going to be the year where we'll, I will be focusing on my lifetime project, that, which is uh, Pleasure is Power that I mentioned before. And it's, um, but I'm, I'm, I'll be working on the, on the second show of the platform which is called Il Monstro. So the other page is Il, two Underscore underscores, Monstro, M-O-N-S-T-R-O. Uh, it's a blending of Italian and Portuguese. Uh, and she's my cat. She's
0: <laughs> <It's> lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, stay tuned. I hope that this year we're, we'll, we'll manage to, to debut this show, which is a show about... Um, The relationship between queers and normal people (laughs) whatever
0: normal is (laughs) (laughs) perfect I will Sarah I will link to all the things that you mentioned in the notes of the podcast and thank you very much for the for your time for the conversation for all the input and I talk to you soon and have a wonderful evening and weekend thank you for having me thank you (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.